Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting, scintillating edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Dotson. Joining me today, our old friend, good buddy of the podcast, uh, or good buddy from Red Leg Nation, from the old Reds listserv back in the day. We got to talk about that sometime on the on the on the podcast. But uh, it's my buddy Bill Lack. Bill, how you doing today? Exciting and scintillating, huh? You're putting a little pressure on us, aren't you? Oh, I'm raising expectations right here from the outset. Uh, and and the reason I'm doing that is because the Reds are starting to raise some expectations, and we want to get into what they they're doing, but doing uh, have done all the entire first half of the season, I guess. But uh, the last uh, two or three weeks, all of a sudden, you know, the last thing you and I were together, we are, are this team for real because they just started playing playing well, and you know they've won uh, they've gone 12 and five in their last 17, and if you can just uh, get rid of that inexplicable San Diego series where they got swept, you know. You're talking about uh, 12 and two. Can't uh, can't eliminate those losses. They lost them, but that was really an outlier. They've played really well lately, and you know, not moving up the standings too much because they're, uh, I guess, as they sit tied for third place right now. But they're five games over. They're at, at the time we're recording this, which is after the the win in the first game of the doubleheader today against the Cubs. They're four and a half back. Five games over, and uh, you know, half game behind St. Louis for second place could conceivably be in second place. Uh, at the end of the day, we're starting to play a little bit better, and I don't know if it's enough to get you excited or not, but uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying some of that. I think we shamed them a couple of podcasts ago when we were yeah you know, the gloom the, the 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 gloom and doom podcast, and, and I think you know they, we shamed them enough that they they decided to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. So yeah, they, we're, we're they, taking credit for this too. They didn't want to let us down, did they? That's exactly right. <laughs> well, they haven't they recently. Want, they didn't want any more podcasts. Like, anybody have to listen to any more podcasts like that one. See, but the secret is they don't understand. Nobody listens to us anyway. So, you know, uh, they don't have to worry about that. They, they I, do got employee, get out. I got an employee that listens to us. One of my guys, one of the guys at work listens to us. Oh really? Well, one of the one of the lawyers that comes into my court all the time uh, after we once posted, he he listens to it on the way into work the next day, and he's always got a comment or two to make. So there's at least a couple people listen to it. Yeah, there 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 are people that are sucking up to us that are listening to it. That's what it is. You know, now that you put it that way, I'm gonna I'm gonna order that guy. Actually, this is your order. You're never to listen to this podcast again. Uh, so. Or tell him if he ever misses one, you're gonna hold him in contempt. <laughs> right? Yeah, we better we better not go that far. Um, <laughs> So the Reds don't want to let us down. They didn't let me down over the weekend. I got a chance to go watch a couple games, but uh, you saw them over the weekend as well. Did they let you down? Yeah, they let me down. There was three games over the weekend. Chad saw the two winners. I saw the loser. And they looked awfully good in the two that I saw. Um, and that good pitching in the one you saw. Yes, they did. Yeah, the pitching was very – Homer was outstanding. And, and, you know, sometimes you run into a pitcher that, that just gives you fits and you just have – the only thing that frustrated me that night is is when the Reds are up against a guy that, that's giving them fits, they don't seem to work hard to make him work. Um, too many first pitch swings, you know, not working the count, trying to get trying to get into their bullpen, you know, uh, and that that's what was going on uh, Saturday night or Saturday night, yeah, Friday night, Saturday night. When the heck was so that? You were there Saturday. Saturday night, yeah, uh, and. That was the frustrating part. You know, I mean, you're not going to win a whole lot of games when you only get two hits. But 
you know, they've got it. You know, when a, a starter's throwing well against you, you got to do what you can against him to get him out of the ball game, and they didn't seem to be interested in doing that. Yeah, we see that far too often, uh, unfortunately. But now, uh, more recently, the Reds obviously got great pitching the, the two games that I saw them uh, as well. Alfredo Simon pitched on Friday, and then we got Latos with a really good performance on Sunday. Uh, and some timely hitting, including from uh, from Jay Bruce finally coming out of his slump now, and he's hit uh, two run homers in each of the last three games. But um, before we move away from uh, from what happened this weekend, and really a pretty good series against the, the first-place Brewers, yep. uh, you can't really complain too much about taking two out of three against uh, Milwaukee the way they've been playing. Uh, and the Reds have had their number. I think they're like seven and three against the Brewers this year or something like that. And, and Even the game I was at the other night, I mean, there were, they, they threw two guys out at the plate, which I think – I think when you throw a guy out at the plate, I'm not sure there's a more exciting play in baseball. Well, there's only one that I can think of, and that's the uh, Brian Price ordered sacrifice bunt. But other than that, you're right. I agree. Well, that and the and the fan reaching out of the stands. And, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the game we were there. We could sort of see that guy pretty well. We were down the first base line, and uh, and that poor guy. I, I can't believe they didn't kick him out, but he was there the rest of the game. Um, but we we thought for sure that it was going to be at least a double because we didn't know what was going on. Uh, you know. It, it looked to me on television like the guy, like he wouldn't have caught it, but you know, what are you going to say? Yeah, I mean, the guy reached into the field of play and he did interfere with it, but yep. yeah, I couldn't tell if he was going to catch it from the replays in the stadium either. Um, and if you didn't get to see the game, we're talking about a play when uh, Ramon Santiago, against all odds, hit one that uh, almost went over the fence, and and the the right fielder for the Brewers, I can't even remember who was playing right field out that day. I think it was uh, Logan, uh, what's his name, uh, Schaefer. He went up to uh, to get it. A guy, a guy, a Santa Claus looking guy, reached out over the fence and tried to make a play on the ball. And so, yeah. the, the ball drops. the The Brewers left fielder there, Schaefer, just sort of stands there, and Santiago is just motoring around the bases. And so they th- blow off the fireworks inside the park home run. And of course, the replay. And the Reds are batting about 100 on replays this year. Uh, I'm a fan of the, the the replay, not necessarily the way they've implemented it, but I'm a fan of the idea of uh, in theory of, of replay in baseball uh, the reds it's not been kind to the reds this year but come back and they called him out and i guess uh i guess that's the rule you reach out on the field and, and interfere with it i guess it's an out but uh i thought the it was other, thing, the other thing I, you have to wonder about is a man that's that age is at the ballpark with a glove <laughs> that's exactly what i said uh <laughs> my nine-year-old son turned to me and said why does that guy have a glove <laughs> I, I had no i had no answer for him uh, but, but he was in he was in, in home run territory, I guess. I guess. So, but it was a good it was a good uh, series for the Reds, and 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 the Reds uh, didn't win for you, but they uh, that's not a new thing, am I right? I am, I was also down there for the uh, the Blue Jay blowout when they, oh. when, they, when they blew an eight to nothing lead. Oh, you were there that night. I didn't realize you were there that night. That was oh, back. Yeah. That was back June twentieth. We were, we had gone down with some friends, and they jump out to an eight to nothing lead, and we're all relaxing and being social. And the next thing you know, the roof caves in. Yeah, it's it's, it's a lot of fun at one point, and then then not so much. Uh, the, the only good thing was watching our buddy Edwin Acarnacion, you know, jack home runs out of out of uh, Great American Ballpark. You know, uh, you and I may be the only two left. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but we we were always big fans of Edwin, and uh, I I don't want him to hit any more homers against the Reds. I want him to be fantastic. I'm still rooting for him. Still a big fan of Edwin, but if he could just not hit any more against the Reds, that'd be uh that'd be nice, pleasing thing. Well, if he's gonna hit any more against them this year, we're gonna see him in October. So yeah, that's a good point. Uh, well, if that happens, I don't want him hitting any more any against the Reds. I don't that want time him either. But that's for sure. 
Yeah. So. But I am 0 for 2 on the on the season. Well, I'm proud to say that I'm undefeated when I'm there. So uh, maybe you stay away and I go more often. Probably a good idea. The only thing I could say though is I have friends that are getting married at the ballpark on Saturday. My oh. friends Joe Langley and Kathy Roll for getting married Saturday at the ballpark in the suite. So I will be at the ballpark on Saturday against the Pirates. So uh, everybody can rub their, you know, their good luck charms on Saturday, so that we bring back a winner for Kathy and Joe's wedding. Ah, oh, poor Mike Leak. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Bring bring back a winner to get them started on the right path. I guess. Yeah. Although I gotta say, <laughs> starting your uh, life together out as as man and wife. Uh, with the Cincinnati Reds as the backdrop, that seems like a recipe for heartache for a lot of years. Nah, they're, they're both older folks, and they're, they're not older, older, but I mean, they're not kids getting married. This is their second marriages, and they're and they're big baseball fans. They've got half season tickets, and they travel every year. They go somewhere where the Reds are playing out of town, and they're huge fans. And they, this is the way they wanted to celebrate their nuptials, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. No, all joking aside, that's fantastic. Absolutely. So, well, you better bring home uh, your first winner of the year that day, then. And wh- while we're on the subject of weddings, oh, let's announce. Let Let's wish good luck to our good buddy Matt Clinker, who's getting married in a couple of weeks. Yes, absolutely. And for those of you that are newer uh, members of the nation, uh, Clinker, of course, was uh, one of our spotlight minor league guys for the Reds. Uh, and uh, had a really good career, made up to the AAA for, before hanging up the spikes, and was so gracious and uh, with us and uh, so willing to give his time to us. That he, and he didn't have to do any of that. And just a fantastic kid, and, and, and we absolutely wish him nothing but the best. Uh, so. And we're going to have he, He's going to come on again. You know, he's still a fan, and we're going to get him on again before the season's over. Yes, absolutely, because I think that'll be a fun conversation. Just to get his perspective – as a former player, but also as a Reds fan. So um, really happy for Matt. Hope, but we, uh, want to, we want to wish Matt and Victoria much luck in a couple of weeks, and I'll be, we'll be heading up to Chicago for that wedding. It'll be fun. Outstanding. That'd be great. Well, we've wasted enough time. Uh, you want to dig into the nuts and bolts of the Reds? This uh, seems like a, you had a good idea, and it seems like an appropriate time. The Reds are over halfway through the season. As I said, 47 and 42 as I as we speak here today, and and, and the the All Star break's coming up. Seems like a pretty good time to do maybe a retrospective on the first half. And I, I'm going to give you the first stab at this since it was your idea. Uh, biggest surprise of the first half for the Reds. Who is that? I think for you? it's got. I think it's got to be Alfredo Simon. Uh, I, I think you got a lot of contenders. You got Billy Hamilton. You got Devin Mezzarocco. You could even say Todd Frazier. But. Uh, even if you throw out the record, and we always throw out the you know throw the record out when we talk about pitching, the the job that Alfredo Simon done has been yeoman like. I mean, this team could have been buried without Matt Latos, and, and you know, and, and if we'd have had somebody that didn't pitch well in that in one of those you know those five spots, he's been incredible, and, and to me, maybe the biggest surprise of the in the National League in the first half. Well, he's 11 and 3, 2.78 ERA right now, and uh, uh, it's going to sound like I'm going to criticize him here in a moment, but I don't intend to do that because you're right. At a time when the Reds had Latos hurt, and uh, you know we didn't get the Singrani that we were hoping for, and so it was a time that the Reds really struggling. The bullpen struggling. The Reds not hitting. They really needed that rotation to be, uh, uh, you know, to carry the load. And Simon stepped in there and absolutely did the job. And uh, you know. You cannot complain about what he's performed. Now, that said, it's 
you know, he's not been as good as his numbers look. I mean, obviously we throw out win loss record. The ERA is great, but uh, he's he's 44th among National League starters in uh, wins above replacement, 43rd in fielding independent pitching, 40th in XFIP. So he's uh, he's not exactly distinguishing himself when you look at the per- peripheral numbers, but the job he performed in the situation where the Nip Reds just were desperate, they had to have somebody perform. Uh, hats off to him, no complaints whatsoever. Uh, but he's not your choice. He's not my choice. And my choice for the biggest surprise of the first half might be a little bit because, you know, maybe maybe I shouldn't have been as surprised, but I had uh, very low expectations for uh, one Billy Hamilton. And uh, this is something we've discussed off and on for a long time. Actually, I've never been too excited over Billy Hamilton. I thought he was really fast, and I love watching him run the bases, but I didn't know if he'd ever be able to contribute offensively enough to really help the team. And, you know, he's sitting 277. His on-base percentage is just 308, but, you know, I'll sort of take that from him as a rookie. He's slugging 410, which amazes me because, you know, Joey Votto is slugging 409. Uh, you know, what Billy Hamilton has been able to do this year with the bat, has been by far the biggest surprise. And you know what? His defense has been, by some measures, he's had the second-best glove of any uh, defensive player at any position in the majors. And so he's really helping uh, with the glove, especially when you compare it to what we got from Shinsu Chu last year. To me, I did not expect this out of Billy Hamilton. Maybe I should have. Maybe I didn't listen to the people that were high on Hamilton enough. And, and we are only three months into the season. But he surprises me just about every game and uh so i can't argue with your choice for biggest surprise but billy hamilton wow did did can you can you honestly say you saw this coming the other thing about billy is he has gotten some huge hits you know we we always throw out the you know you know batting hitting hitting with runners in scoring position all that stuff because it doesn't carry over season to season but it does show for that year, who's getting big hits? And he's hitting, I forget what the numbers are, but it's some unbelievable number with with runners in scoring position. He's, I mean, he's getting big hits. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, he is just, uh, I've got those numbers here somewhere if I can find them, uh, the runners in scoring position numbers. I thought I had them up here. But, yeah, yeah, he's, he's hitting, uh, <laughs> he's doing everything that we could have asked for. Now, do you want more than a 308 on base percentage from your leadoff guy? Yeah, of course you do, obviously. But uh, with with his legs and what he can do once he gets on base, I, I've always made the argument that he doesn't have to have an elite on base percentage to be an effective offensive player. But when you can find the fact that he's not only holding his own offensively, but as you say, especially in certain spots, he's 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 been a serious contributor to the team, and his production has been fine combined with elite defense and, and elite base running. I, I didn't see it coming this early. I thought this was maybe the best case scenario for him. So now it makes you think, gosh, this guy, you know, uh, how old is he? 23 years old. With, uh, with runners on base, he's hitting 363 within 549 slugging. With the runners in scoring position, he's hitting 349 with a 492 slugging percentage. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. With the bases loaded, he's got a, a, a 1.857 OPS. Now, you know, it's 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 only seven at bats, but it's still it's getting it done when you're up there, you know. Well, that's the only opportunities he's had, you he's know. Five for seven with the bases loaded. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I 
I mean, you know, I, I understand sample size and all that stuff, but it's still getting it done, you know. Yeah, well, you can't draw any conclusions about what he's going to do in the future based on that. But right, but you can say what he's done. <laughs> exactly, that shows what he has actually done this year, and that's uh, and he has produced in those spots. Not saying that it's a repeatable skill necessarily, but the, he's done what the Reds have asked him to do. But, and, but you know what this means? This means that I got to let our friend Chris Welsh off the hook because I always give him abuse about what he said about Joey Votto years ago. Oh yeah, I remember. And, and now he's the one that said that Billy was ready to put him in AAA. Wouldn't didn't you know? Wouldn't accomplish anything. He did say that. He did say so, that. So yeah. we got to give our we got to give props where props is due. You listen to the guy on uh, on the the broadcast, you think he didn't know what he's talking about. But then every once in a while, I guess he comes up with something like that. <laughs> no, Chris is fantastic. By far, my by far my favorite uh, of the Reds broadcasters. Um, so that's my that's my biggest surprise. Of the first half, Billy Hamilton and. Uh, I just didn't see it coming from a guy that was born one month before the Reds' last World Series championship. And, uh, and it's funny that, that we mentioned as him as being our, your biggest surprise and Simon as being mine, and, and none of the four All-Stars were our biggest surprise. And we'll, now, and, we'll get, and we'll get to them in a little while. But Well, yeah, my reason for that is that each of those four guys, you know, I kind of could have seen this happen. I really just didn't see this happen from Billy Hamblin, and I really just didn't see this happening from Alfredo Simon. They, they caught me off guard. It wouldn't have surprised me if you told me before the season that, you know, Mesoraco or Frazier or, or Quater or Chapman had done uh, what they right. did. So, You know, and, and, and you talk about, you, you mentioned Billy's defense, and, and I think we've talked about this before. But I think his defense, and I, at least me, I think it lulls me to sleep. I, I think he is so freaking fast in the outfield that he runs balls down that, that other guys either wouldn't get to or would be diving for, and he makes it look easy. And, and he seems to come in on the ball and go back on the ball equally well. And seems to get good jumps all the time. He seems to get a good read, and he seems and, – and, and, and I'm no expert on, on how to play the outfield. God, from, you know, God knows. But he seems to take good angles. He never – I don't remember one time where he seemed to take a bad angle. Of course, you know, with his speed, maybe you can outrun a bad angle. Good point. Uh, Joe Luckup on last week's podcast, he made the point that, well, yeah, his defensive numbers look really good. Uh, but part of that is because he's getting to balls. He has so much range, he's getting to balls that would have been outs anyway. The left fielder or the right fielder would have gotten them. And, so, uh, and, and that's, a, that's a point for why you should maybe take his defensive numbers with a grain of salt. But it's also on the other, the flip side of that coin is, this is a guy that can get to those balls. Isn't that amazing? You know, that he's got that much range. And so it helps, you know, with a guy like Ludwig, for example, in left yeah. field, it really helps to cover uh, his defensive inadequacies and, and having uh, Hamilton and Jay Bruce in the outfield together when they're in the outfield together, as we'll discuss here in a little while. We'll discuss that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's, you can cover a lot of ground with those two. Yep, and, and you know, in, in, in the few days that Heisey plays in left field, there aren't a whole lot of balls going to drop in. That's a that's an outstanding. You're, that's a great point. That is an outstanding uh, defensive yeah. line, lineup when you got those three in the outfield. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna play some some real defense out there. So, um, so yeah, Billy Hamilton's my guy. Alfredo Simon, your guy, but uh, can't hardly argue with uh, with either of those. I wouldn't have thought. You mentioned the All Stars. You want to dig into these All Stars? We can talk about these boys a little bit. You know, that's. The All Star Game is dumb. It's you know it's an exhibition and well, it's dumb and, and Bud Selig made it dumber. Well, he really did, and you know I was just looking up the uh, advanced stats, for, team stats for fielding. By the way, just to digress just a little bit, 
And the Reds, uh, by the metrics, have the second best team defense in, uh, in the major leagues behind them. Kansas City. Really? And Kansas City is significantly better. Huh. Which I'll have to dig into that because I don't watch Kansas City a lot, but, uh. I, 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 I could, I don't think I've seen a Kansas City Royals game in 10 years. It's not since, not since George Brett or something. There hasn't been any reason to watch the Kansas City. No, there hasn't been. But, but anyway, second best in the entire majors, uh, that's pretty good. And that's, uh, when the offense has not been clicking this year, that's been a big reason why the Reds have sort of been able to stick around. Now, back to the All-Stars. And that, like I was saying, it's, it's dumb. But I swear, I'm a sucker for debates over the All-Star game, who should have made it, who didn't make it. I don't know. It's, it's sort of like with the Hall of Fame for me. The, the writers have ruined the Hall of Fame. But I still love those debates and discussions. And, and this was the first time in a long time in which I really didn't have any complaints about, at least as the Cincinnati's representatives are concerned, I really didn't have any complaints about who uh, was selected. Matter of fact, I thought the Reds got treated uh, more than fairly. Todd Frazier, third baseman, Devin Mesoraco, catcher, and uh, two pitchers, Johnny Cueto and Araldis Chapman. Were you as, uh, I guess, satisfied with the selections as I was? Oh, absolutely. I mean, how can you not be? I mean, you know, can you make a case for Simon? Yeah, I guess you can. Um, could you make a case for Broxton? Yeah, I guess you could. But, you know, everybody's not going to make it. And, and, and as, as they've been saying on the media, if you'd have said before the season that this team would have four All-Stars and, and, and none of them would be Bruce, Votto, Phillips, or Latos, I, I, I'd have taken big money on that. Yeah, well, Votto, Phillips, and, and Bruce have nine All-Star games between them. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, so I never would have believed that they had. I think you could have got heavy betting action on that. Oh, absolutely. Before the season. So, but three of these guys are first time All Stars. Uh, in uh, Cueto, who probably should have had another, at least one other All Star game if it weren't for Tony Larusa uh, a couple years ago. But, uh, and Frazier and Mezzarocco. So. And let, let, let's give props where props is due to Mike Matheny. Exactly. If I'm going to criticize a former Cardinals manager, you really do have to give kudos to Mike Matheny because he, Mizoraco was actually a managerial pick. The other, the other three Reds were picked on the player ballot, however that works. So, yeah. But, you know, and, and, and Devin said in the, in, in the media that, that he was, he was even more enthused by getting picked by a former catcher. Yeah. Well, it would have been really easy for Matheny to leave Mesoraco home, and probably nobody would have complained about that because of the injuries he had, and he's not played as many games. Right. But, man, you look at his production, and he he, he keeps pounding the baseball. It blows my mind. I can't believe he's still continuing to really just kill the ball, 316, 377 on base percentage, 631 slugging, 15 homers. He just He's not slowing down at all. Uh, did you read Johnny Bench's comment in the paper? I didn't see that. What was it? Johnny Bench said, I've been telling him for two years to put the kid in a four hole. Really? Ah, <laughs> uh, Johnny. And, and, and let's, let's, let's be honest here. Red Leg Nation deserves a large share of the credit. <laughs> Are we being honest when we say that? For Devin Mezzarocco's success. In fact, when I sent him a text message today and congratulated him on that, I told him that we were taking a <laughs> And he, he, he sent me back a ha-ha. I don't know if he'll think it's funny when we put it on a T-shirt. but <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. Now, Bezer, yeah, and, and, and again, another great kid who uh, has been gracious with his time. Uh, Absolutely. He's been wonderful with us. For Red Leg Nation. And, 
and just a guy that you just root, root, root for. Um, he, he works hard. I mean, it's just everybody, nobody will tell you anything other than he works really hard. And just to see him get locked in like this for such an extended period of time, I mean, it's not like we're talking about two weeks. He's over, he's over 200 plate appearances at this point. So, I mean, he's been, uh, he's really been playing incredibly. So, but again, I still, I guess I can, he's an all-star now, so I can finally start forgiving him for his, oh, bet- here we go. his betrayal. <laughs> He betrayed oh, me. What happened in that NCAA championship world, uh, the World Series? There? Really? I mean, is that is that where we're going here? Well, you, you brought him up. You brought <laughs> him up. All right. Uh, <laughs> University of Virginia. If you have paid any attention to the nonsense that I write on Twitter or Red Lake Nation or anywhere, you know I'm a I'm a UVA alum and I, I'm ridiculous about their sports, but. Mesoraco, for those of you who don't know, and if you've listened to this podcast, you know because I complain about it every other week. Mesoraco committed to UVA and didn't go because he got drafted in the first round by the Reds. Uh, so it worked out great for me. This year in the College World Series, the championship, the final game of the uh, the two, best two out of three College World Series championship against Vanderbilt, Virginia lost. They blew. They were clearly the best team and blew it. But the worst part about that is the loss went to the loss went to Nick Howard, who just signed a contract this week as the Cincinnati Reds' first-round draft choice. And so now he's a Red. So uh, he let me down in a different way than Mesoraco did. But, no, Howard had a great career in, in, in at Virginia. And I, I'm really going to work uh, to try to get him on the podcast because uh, good kid, really hard thrower, really good, good stuff, and I think he's going to be good in Cincinnati. But, yeah, uh, you know, the Reds and, and UVA baseball keep intersecting for me, and it's never been a good thing for me, <laughs> you know. So Howard gave up the home run at the end of that game to lose the game to Vanderbilt. But I appreciate you picking that particular scab, Bill. I'm happy to do it. That's your job, I know. Let's uh, uh, Before we get off the – I mean, we still want to talk about the transformation of Todd Frazier. What about Frazier? I mean, he has just been spot on all year. And there's been an interesting discussion in some of the media and, and, and in the papers here in Cincinnati the last few days where – they're making the case that this team is is kind of a changing of the guard, becoming less of a Joey Votto, Jay Bruce team, and maybe more of a Todd Frazier, Devin Mesoraco team. I don't know that I buy it, but I think it's an interesting conversation. I don't think I buy it either, but it's definitely, I mean, it's arguable. Yeah, I mean, you know. If you talk to guys in the Reds minor league organization when Todd Frazier was in the minors, at every level that he played, you heard the word leader. Right. Every level. Um, he just, I mean, I don't know the guy. I've never spoken to him. But he comes across as a very genuine person. Um, the media guys love him. Um, and he's playing, he plays, He's since he took over third base for the Reds, he's played great defense. Uh, and this year, he's just really seemed to, Stayed within himself at the plate, and and I I just couldn't be more happier for him. There aren't enough superlatives that we could spend uh, that we could waste talking about Todd Frazier. I agree. You know, it's really amazing to me. And he's got a very pretty wife. <laughs> That's at least the second time you've mentioned that to me, right. and it's absolutely one hundred percent true. Uh, it's really amazing to me that the Reds are even able to hang around in this race in the National League Central. The way that. Votto and Bruce and Brandon Phillips, um, and to, I guess, a lesser extent, Ryan Ludwig have, have performed. 
and how much of the offense has had to rely on Frazier and Mesoraco. There were times when it was just Frazier carrying this offense. Yep. And um, it, it makes you – can you imagine where this team would be? And this is all speculation, but where they'd be in the standings if we had typical Votto year, if we had a typical Bruce year. Bruce is coming back around, but if, if, if they had – by the uh, end of the year, Jay Bruce will be where you expect Jay Bruce to be. Ah, Bruce is fine. I'm not worried about Bruce. But if they had been playing like we expected, Votto and, Bruce, and of course Votto is on the disabled list now. But if uh, again, again, and uh, well, we're probably not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Votto today because it just makes me sad. But we'll talk about him a little bit. But if those guys had been Votto and Bruce like we expect, I mean, we're pretty much getting what I expected out of Phillips. But um, and Ludwig. And Ludwig. I mean, I'm not really disappointed in those guys. They are what they are. Uh, although Phillips, Phillips defensively made a couple of beautiful plays this weekend. And so my son. Yeah, that read, play he, the play he made Sunday with on that ball to center field where he oh. was way out there and Billy Hamilton gave up on was yeah. pretty amazing. Because I don't know how he knew where the ball was. Unbelievable. I don't know how you make that play. I mean, that's. Uh, it was straight over his head, and I don't know how he knew where the ball was. I don't either. And, and we get on Phillips uh, plenty, but uh, we were sitting there watching it, and, uh, you know. My son, who is a, plays second base on his little team and, and wears number four and uh, just uh, loves Brandon Phillips, boy, I, after getting to see him uh, make that play, I thought you talk about stars in his eyes. So that was a, uh, a amazing play, one that uh, 99% of the people in the world could not make that play. I agree. 99.9, really. I absolutely agree. So, but, but if Votto and Bruce had been Votto and Bruce all season long, this team probably in first place right now. Oh, yeah, I would think so, but, you know. And, and, and Tom Brenneman was making the point last night that he didn't think any team in baseball had, has had the injury problems that the Reds do. That I, I think you could maybe argue that the Texas Rangers have, um, but other than them, I don't think any team that I any team that I know of in the National League has had the injury problems that the Reds have had. And we felt like giving up on them a number of times, but when you think about, it, they've had those injury problems, and they're still, you know, they're hanging, they're hanging around. Uh, really, I don't know that we should be as. Uh, should have been as upset as we were, and that's a constant problem. But back to Frazier, because you brought him up, and I do want to talk about Frazier a little bit, because we could probably spend an hour talking about what he's meant to this team. Uh, I was looking up his numbers yesterday, and it really surprised me. He leads all National League third basemen and wins above replacement. Leads all National League uh, third basemen home runs, slugging percentage. He leads uh, all national. I'm going to get a little bit into the weeds a little bit, but uh, WOBA weighted on base average and WRC plus weighted runs created plus, which I love. Those, those are two of my favorite stats at this point. But he leads all National League third baseman in those statistics. And uh, when you put to, put that together with the, what you just said a moment ago, and the defensive metrics do agree with what you just said uh, that he's been a, one, a really good defensive player as well over at the hot corner. I'm, I'm astounded. I did not. Ex- He's not my biggest surprise, like we talked about a moment ago. But I didn't expect to see this kind of production, and uh, really good to see him getting some recognition uh, on the in terms of being named an All Star. Because if anybody has earned it in this first half of the season, it's Todd Frazier. Yep. Uh, I think without a doubt, he's the Reds MVP in the first half. No question. No question. Did you see that picture that's floating around yesterday after they announced the All Stars, or uh, I guess that was Sunday? No. Of uh, 12-year-old Todd Frazier. Oh, with with Derek Jeter? Standing next to Derek Jeter. Yeah. On the, and, and, and I love you know, the you symmetry of that. You create that, do you? Oh, I hope so, because the symmetry of that with Frazier playing in his first All-Star game, and, of course, it's going to be all Jeter all the time at this year's All-Star game and in his last one. And so uh, I thought that was a pretty neat picture. I'm a sucker for stuff like that. But. Yeah. 
And, and, and we can't, we've talked about Mesoraco a little bit, but, uh, you know, Mesoraco has been unbelievable. Johnny Cueto. I'm really happy to see Johnny Cueto make an all-star team. You know, he, he said he, over the last four seasons, his ERA is 2.47. I mean, this guy has been, he's been injured and that's, uh, been an issue. But this year, of course, with a 1.99 ERA, he's in the top five in most statistical categories among pitchers, top two in, uh, in several. It's, it's him and Adam Wainwright, as far as I'm concerned. Of course, Clayton Kershaw is Clayton Kershaw, but in terms of what they've done in the first half, I'm really happy. Cueto's long been one of my favorite guys to watch, and and uh, I'm really happy to see him. I wish he he's, he would get to pitch, but it looks like he's probably going to be pitching on Sunday. Sunday, yeah, unless unless something weird happens between now. Right. So I wish he could pitch so the national audience could see him and see that funky delivery. And, uh, you know, he's just a – I don't know if the Reds are going to be able to sign him long term. but And I don't know if they should sign him long term given the injury problems, but, man. I, I could not be a bigger Johnny Cueto fan. Love that guy. Yep, I, I, I mean, we saw him in Dayton, and I think we probably, I think we also saw him. In fact, I know we did. We saw him in uh, um, Sarasota. In fact, we saw him get his butt kicked in Sarasota in a day game. They they they, they had these games when the the Reds high A team was playing down there. And they had these what they called them day camp games, and they started at ten o'clock in the morning in Sarasota. Oh, it was like six million degrees. <laughs> That's a conservative yeah. estimate. And, and I remember Johnny starting it, and I mean, he just got beat up. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So, but uh, what a what a what a season he's had so far. Should we should yeah, we talk about should we talk about a raw that's making it? That surprised me a little bit. Yeah, me too, a little bit because he's uh, you know the, he, again he spent part of the, you know part of uh, you know got the, the terrible. Ball off his coconut and didn't make his debut until mid-May. Yeah, and uh, and I still think he's overrated. Um, I think he's you know he is what he is. Let me ask you a question. You watch him a lot. I've watched him a lot. All of our people listening have watched him a lot. Does he seem to me more effective you when he throws the ball up or down? I don't know that I've got an answer to that. It seems to me like when he gets tagged. It's when he's throwing the ball down around the knees. Yeah. When he hmm. throws the ball, you know, letter high and up, I, I don't remember anybody ever touching him. Well, nobody can catch up to that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but yet at times he seems to be, you know, to be concentrating on keeping that ball down, and it, it just seems to bite him more often than not. Well, not more often than not, but right. when he gets when he gets hurt, it just seems to be that's like it's it it down. I, I can't say that I've ever noticed that. I'll, I'll be paying attention to that. He. Uh, I looked at his numbers yesterday, and, and he's actually been better than I thought he was this year. I thought he had been. But, you know, the problem is, is we've complained about forever. It's only 24 innings. So when you talk about overrated, it's because they've got this guy who's, you know, his, his off-speed stuff has been amazing this year. And um, uh, he's throw, throwing his uh, slider more often, and uh, he's just really been fantastic. But, again, 24 innings. Uh that's a that's a different argument for a different day, and that that ship has sailed. But you know, I'm glad Chapman made it. I guess in the sense that there's no question that Chapman's a star. It's the all star game. I mean, he's a star. Yep. I, I just every time I look at that guy, I think, man, what might have been with that kind of yeah. stuff? Because you, you're seeing this year more than ever before him using some of his uh, other pitches. Up to this year, really, he'd been largely a fastball pitcher. And there's a good article in that that I really need to write for Red Nation, but. 
Um, he's been getting swings and misses. When he, when he pitched in the first game of the doubleheader today, I, I don't think he threw more than five or six fastballs. Yeah, and it used to be all he threw a lot of sliders and changes ups today. At least according to uh, you know the MLB.com, whatever that that game day or whatever yeah. game day or whatever that thing's called. At least according to that, I don't know how you know how correct that is, but I, I was surprised that he wasn't throwing more fastballs. About three weeks ago, I looked at it. and I'm trying to look at my what I what I found um, on him. He had uh, oh, I can't find it. Uh, I had some of the numbers on on how many uh, how, how many fastballs he threw, what percentage as compared right to right now. He's right now, according to Fangraphs, he's throwing about sixty percent fastballs and twenty eight percent sliders and eleven percent changes. Yeah, well, the changeup was the big, uh, the big pitch that he really had rarely thrown before, and it's uh, at Fangraphs. They had an article not too long ago that I could find if I looked at it, just showing that at that point in the season, that's what it was. He uh, he thrown X number of changeups, but you know, fourteen people had actually swung at the changeup, and nobody had even made had even fouled it off. Nobody had made contact. So I mean, you can you combine that with his. Uh, Fastball. It just that's the type of thing. The fact that he's able to consistently throw some of these other pitches for strikes makes you, makes you wonder what happened if he what would have happened if they had converted him to a starter and he'd had a chance to uh, he wouldn't have been able to throw 100 miles an hour anymore. He'd had to pace himself a little more. But with that other you know those uh, secondary pitches, gosh, he could have been. Yeah, I don't want to say he could be Clayton Kershaw, but he could have been a, a top shelf starter. Yeah, he cost himself a lot of money. I think he did too, and it was you got to pin some of the blame on him. That's what he wanted to do, and whatever. If that's what he wants to do, fine. But I don't think it was the best thing for the Reds, and I think that it, for his uh, bank account, I don't think it was the best thing either. Be interesting to see what they do with this this new Cuban kid. It will be. They they were talking about uh, you know that they're going to move him to, to convert him to a starter, let him be a starter, I guess, rather than a reliever. And I said I can't imagine they would. Uh, of course they're going to. It's a, he's a he's a Cuban signee. Those could be relatively hard. Of course he's going to be a starter, right? Reds have no history there. No. Ugh. So. <laughs> but anyway, uh, really happy about the Reds All-Stars. I probably wouldn't have, uh, you know. Th- I might even watch it this year. I might I might do that. I, well, I do every year. I I don't know. I'm Todd a, Frazier says he wants to hit. He wants to play. He wants to hit in the home run derby. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he hits one of those home runs where he throws the bat at it. Yeah, or, or the one-handed ones. Right, yeah, exactly. So um, so good deal. Happy. I, I probably would have, if the only two people had made it, I probably would have been okay with that. Uh, but uh, glad to see some of those guys getting recognition. And, you know, the, I think the Cardinals and the Brewers, the only other teams that had four in the National League, four guys make it. So um, not bad for a team that's been sort of mired third and fourth place for a long time. Yep. Uh, we, we talked before, and this is going to be a, a crazy segue, but I'm going to—I want—I I, I like listening to you rant. And so we talked before the, the show about various topics and, we, and uh, came up with a list of things we wanted to get into if we had time. And uh, one of those was uh, one of your constant complaints. I think this will be the third straight podcast we've discussed it. But again, I like listening to you rant. Official scoring. Are you still? Are you still on that? Uh, on last that? night. Come on. Last night. And this will segue us into the, the Jay Bruce playing first base thing. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about that, but I guess the we have The error to. called on Jay Bruce last night was the most ridiculous error I've ever seen in my life. 
Ever? I've, I've seen guys with the ball hit them in the glove and they drop it and they call it a base hit. That ball, Bruce didn't even touch it. It was hit by, you know, he was coming off the base. It was hit between him and the bag. And it, you know, and they call it an error. It was just ridiculous. I, I don't care what you, how you score, but be freaking consistent. Okay. I'm done. No, I agree with that. And, you know, <laughs> did, I guess. Did maybe, you see it last night? Did I you did. you call that an error? No, I wouldn't have given him an error, and I, I score a lot of games, uh, but I wouldn't have given him an error. But on the other hand, it's probably a play that a competent first baseman makes. I, I thought the I don't know, and I and I and I will admit my prejudice. I like Jay Bruce, so I may be giving him the benefit of the doubt. I, I may be, but I thought I've seen I've seen balls that were more obvious errors to me that were not called errors. No, I wouldn't have called. I don't think it should have been called an error. One hundred percent. But I'm just saying, if you had a first baseman who knew how to play the base and how to get off the bag and how to get there, that play gets made. Now, not that that means that it should have been an error. Right. Um, but you, we've got a guy playing first base who hadn't played first base since he was in high school. Right. Well, and, and, and did you in the paper today? They said that when he was moved to first base in an All Star game, he said. Because there were, quote, and this is Jay's talking, he said, because there were, quote, unquote, better outfielders than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, right, I, I yeah. had the feeling that that was dripping with sarcasm when he said it. I bet. I can imagine those guys who are working at uh, Costco right now or something yeah. were better better outfielders than you. Well, um, before we get off of this, let, let's talk about the Jay Bruce at first base thing for just a minute. Yeah, absolutely. And let's start with hats off to Jay Bruce. Sure. For, for being willing to, I mean, this guy's an all-star gold glove outfielder. And in the and in the spirit of Pete Rose. I was going to say, did it remind you of Pete Rose? Yes. Yes, it did. You know, he, he volunteered to take one for the team because he thought it would help the team and go to first base. Absolutely wonderful thing for Jay to do. What Brian Price was thinking is a whole nother question. Complete insanity. Every time I think... Brian Price is ground, you know, coming back to earth. He does something like this. You, you, how many positions did he weaken last night? That, that's exactly just, my point. Yeah. Um, you know, and Ryan and, and Skip Schumacher has played the infield. Now he said Schumacher's never played first or third base. Neither's Jay Bruce. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and well, the other point that I would make is even if you think Schumacher's a better outfielder. Ludwig catches the balls that he gets to in the outfield, which means he can catch the ball. I'd put him at first base before I put Jay Bruce at first base. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's almost too obvious that you can't believe that uh, that Price could sort of screw that one up. Like you said, they they Price intentionally weakened two defensive positions last night. Uh, you know, Bruce can't play first base. And, uh, and, and, and in the meantime, he's one of the best defensive right fielders, top two probably in the majors. And so you weaken right field as well. And, and, and Price's, well, first of all, before I get to Price's explanation, which was completely ludicrous, I just don't understand why Ludwig's not the automatic, uh, uh the first guy you think about in that situation. Because Ludwig can't play defense anyway. So if you're going to, you know, well, I don't, I don't move think a guy. I don't think that's fair. I don't think Ludwig is a terrible outfielder. I think he has no range. 
Well, that makes him a terrible outfielder as compared to other left fielders around the league, I guess is the way I would put it. But he, I mean, but he's not, he's not Adam Dunn like out there. Um, I mean, he doesn't drop the ball. He, you know, <laughs> he, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to beat the guy up because he did, you know, because he's gotten old and, just, and he doesn't have, excuse me, and he doesn't have a whole lot of range. But that being said, he, he seems like the obvious choice for this to me, you know, and, and, and he's done, and, and Price has done the same thing by moving Frazier across the diamond. Uh, right, right. Well, you know, look at the metrics if you want to give him any credence over three months, which he shouldn't, but, uh, he's been, Ludwig has been by far the worst defensive player on the Reds. Um, so, but move him to first. He's already not providing a whole lot of value in left field. He can catch the ball, sure, but it's, if it's hit right to him. Uh, so move him to first. If you're gonna, that position is gonna be weakened anyway. Move him there because he can he can catch a ball, uh, you know. And then put a, a, a Schumacher in left field if you want to, or something with a little bit more range. Price's explanation was so ridiculous as to be laughable. And what he said after the game was, well, he wanted to move Bruce instead of putting Schumacher at first. Was the, that was the question that was posed to him, I guess. Because he lacked the flexibility that Schumacher gave him in being able to play second base and other places around the diamond if they had to move people around. But that makes no sense. Even if he's playing first base, you can still move him around. Yeah, he's, not, he's not, you know, doesn't have a, a nail in his foot driving him into, you know, holding him on the ground there. I, I can't believe Price thought that was a legitimate explanation. It was ludicrous. It was just sort of uh, baseball speak or something. He was. Uh, Sometimes I think these guys in these post-game press conferences, I think things come out of their mouth before they think about them because they do it all the time, you know, because they have these things every day. And, and I guess, you know, at some point you really can't put a whole lot of thought into them every day. And this yep. just sounds like one of those things that come out of your mouth. And my guess is if he heard it last night, he went, oh, no, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb. Yeah, well, we've all done that. So maybe we should give him the benefit of the doubt um, on that. But – it just it makes no sense to me to, to take a gold glover, move him out of position. Uh, to that extent, I mean, it's one thing if you're moving uh, Bruce to center field or something. Well, the other thing was last night that there were in the one inning, a guy went first to third on Schumacher. Yeah. Like, and then immediately afterwards, there's the ball that, that got hit by Bruce that allowed the run to score. Right. So that was two plays mm-hmm. for moving Bruce and hurt hurt the team. Well, and then Schumacher threw somebody, I guess, at home later in the game. Everybody's like, well, see, you know, <laughs> Bruce okay. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah, the guy wouldn't have even run on Bruce, <laughs> on Bruce's arm. So, Well, and, 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 and whether it's true or not, when, when the guy went first to third, Welsh said he looked back over his shoulder when he rounded second to make sure it wasn't Jay Bruce out the right field. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't run on Jay Bruce. Uh, not uh, if you're smart. Not if you're smart. And uh, some people, for some reason, do continue to run on him, but uh, – not as often as they used to. So, yeah, get Bruce back out in the outfield and keep him there. It's crazy to put him at first base. Unless you've got a, some better right fielder you can stick out there, and you're not going to find one. So. Not on this team. Nope, nope, not on this team. Speaking of one guy, before uh, before we wrap up things with sort of a look at the race, where we are, and what's going on the rest of the season, and what we can anticipate happening, talking about a guy that's not on this team anymore, you know, our old buddy Bronson Arroyo had some tough news. Yes, he did. Going to have Tommy John surgery, and I thought his elbow was indestructible. I mean, so, he's never missed. He had never missed a start. Never, never missed a start. And he, you know, he says he wants to come back and pitch another couple of years, and I don't have any reason to believe he won't be able to do that. I, we've always said that he's sort of a Jamie Moyer type that could probably pitch as long as he wants. 
Yeah, I mean, we always thought his arm was made out of a rubber band. I, I know. Yeah. And uh, really, just that's a bummer, that news. Uh, yeah, it really is. He, I mean, Bronson's not a red anymore, and, and but he was always an upfront, personable guy, good with the media, good with the fans, gave gave you everything he had every time he went out there, always took the ball. You can't ask for a, a better guy or a better player on your team than Bronson Royal, and we, we wish him nothing but the best. Well, he's not a red anymore, but he I'll tell you what he is. He's a Reds Hall of Famer. Um, oh, without a doubt. I think uh, without question. And for some reason, occasionally on Twitter, you'll get people wanting to argue this, which I just don't understand how you can argue. You know, he played eight years in Cincinnati. And, um, you know, how many games did he win here? Uh, won 105 games with the Reds and uh, was an all-star and, you know, won a gold glove. I mean, he's, he's not Jim Maloney, but. Who is? You know, but there's guys in the Reds Hall of Fame that, that he's better than. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's a shoe-in Reds Hall of Famer. I, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, so, you know, again, he's not a Red. He's a Diamondback now. But that doesn't mean that uh, we don't still have fond memories of Bronson and still wish him the best. And so I hope he has a speedy recovery and uh, gets back soon. Yeah. So, well, Bill, we've sort of uh, we're coming near the end of our uh, – end of our time here and we've talked about the first half and it seems like as good a time as any to talk about the current race in the, in the national league central the, and, and the wild card as well, I guess. And where the reds are, where they're going to go. Do you have, uh, are, are you feeling more optimistic than you were a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I am. Uh, they've kind of gotten through the root. Re- what I think is the toughest part of their schedule. Um, I mean, I, I'm looking out, you know, through the end of August, and they, I mean, they got the Yankees, who I think are beatable, even up there. Then they got the Brewers, who they played well against. The Nationals are going to be tough, but then they got the Diamondbacks, and they got the Marlins, the Indians, the Marlins again, the Red Sox, who are struggling, the Rockies. Then they got the Cardinals and the Braves. I mean, we should, you know, this team. But the thing is, this team has played well against good teams. They've struggled against the bad teams. So who the hell knows? You know, you go into San Diego, you, you beat the Giants four straight, and then you go into San Diego and lose, you know, three or four or whatever it was. So they, you can't figure out what this team's going to do. But, you know, it, it, the, the key is, you know, can they stay reasonably healthy? Um, and I think we've got to talk about Joey Votto before we get off here. Yeah, Votto's – I don't know what to say about Votto, but you're right. I mean, if things go perfectly tonight, the Reds could actually be three and a half games out of first place in the Central after tonight. <laughs> And, with two uh, more against the Cubs. With two more against the Cubs coming up, who are always good for what ails you. Uh, and you know, don't say that out loud. <laughs> I did it. I, I jinxed it. But they're a game and a half out of the out of the wild card. You know, I mean, okay, we don't have to be jump up and down thrilled with the way they performed this first half, but they're right there. Now, the question, as you noted, can they can they really take that next step or be consistent offensively without? Joey Votto, and uh, you know, I I don't know the answer to that, and I'm I'm concerned as to what the might answer might be to that. I, I think if they if they don't believe that Joey Votto is going to be Joey Votto in 2014, and if they believe that they've got a shot at this, they're going to have to make a move. They're going to have to go out and get somebody that they believe can help this team. Um. Whether it be a third baseman to move Frazier across, the first baseman, uh, you know, somebody can play the outfield that you can move somebody into first base. 
I don't know. But to me, the biggest concern is not 2014. We're two years into this bad knee thing with Joey Votto. Is, 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 is what we're seeing with Joey Votto what we're going to get for the rest of this long, expensive contract? And that's frightening. That's what scares me. They owe him a lot of money, over $200 million, uh, for the re- remainder of that contract. Um, and and I, don't, I can't speculate. I don't know, but it scares me. It scares me, too. i tell you what irritates me is that knee problems, Walt Jockety made no moves over the offseason to uh, address the possibility that he'd have to have a first baseman or a third baseman. There's no one. I mean, we're talking about Ramon Santiago. He, he's talking about Jack Hanahan being the guy to come back and do that. Jack Hanahan is awful. He's doing his. He's starting a rehab assignment tonight in Dayton, though. He's never been able to hit. <laughs> you know, Jack Jack Hanahan plays hard, and and actually, there's some really good stories out there about how much his teammates love him and things he's done in the community. And I think he's a great guy by all accounts. But are you kidding me? That's your plan B? Uh, I think Walt Jockety, uh, you know. You can, I guess, give him kudos for the things you think he's done correctly, but he completely, 100%, undeniably whiffed on this one. And do you trust him to go make a make a move? I don't. When was what was the last was Matt Latos the last good move, last trade he made that that, that was a good trade? Yeah, I think that's the last time he did anything other than sign. What two years ago now? Yeah, and that was a good one. I like that one. Still like it. Um. But he sat on his hands all off season. That may not have been entirely his fault. It's tough. You can't. It takes two people to make a right. You can't make a deal by yourself. Right. And there may not have been anything out there. But I can't believe that. It looks to me like the strategy was just to hope that Votto remained healthy after the injury problems he's had uh, over the last couple of years. To just hope because there's absolutely no one anywhere in the organization that can step in if he's if he's injured. And that's a failure of planning that it's then the front office has to take responsibility. For that. They've got to own that one. Here's my question about Votto. Let's say, and this is all theory because uh, I'm like you, I'm worried about long-term uh, Votto. But what if we knew that no matter what Votto did the rest of this year, that he was not going to make the knee worse for next year? that he'd still be able to recover 100% for next year. Do you keep letting Votto play, at the, performing at the level he's performing? Um, and this is a ridiculous hypothetical, I know, but but my, my point is, because there's no one to replace him, Joey Votto hitting 255, 390 on base percentage, 409 slugging, is significantly better than anything else in the Reds organization that they could replace him with. You know, They move Frazier to first and put Ramon Santiago at third, or Jack Hanahan at third. You're comparing Santiago to even injured Votto. It's such a huge gap in production. We can't say that uh, about the injury, but that's my thing about why they haven't put him on the DL. Who are they going to replace him with? And and I'd just as soon have an injured Joey Votto as to some of these other jokers they're talking about. Yeah, the the only the only problem with that is is his numbers are are decreasing rapidly. But still, are they going to decrease enough to make it uh, to Ramon Santiago levels? I I don't know, you know, and you wonder whether they thought that Lutz or or, or uh, well, who's the other kid? Uh, Soto. Soto 
maybe they thought they were closer to being ready than apparently they are. But I think at this point they, they admit that neither one of those kids is the answer. No, they're not. Hey, uh, not to, not to shift gears too much, but it's something we talked about a moment ago. Central Park. Okay. When the guests arrive, they're greeted by my butler, Larry. I hate those pop-up commercials. <laughs> I thought you were just trying to mute me so that I couldn't talk. I don't even know which one it was. I just started closing windows. Uh, I've got uh, Sports Center on the, uh, in the background here, and I see on the sidebar it says they're talking about home run derby field set, and they showed a picture of Todd Frazier. So I guess that uh, we talked about earlier, I hadn't seen that it was actually official, but it looks like Todd Frazier is going to be in the home run derby. So Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. They've got more information than we do the Reds do in terms of his medical, Votto's medical uh, status. I, I am I am very afraid of the, of, of the future because if it's not better after two years, why is there any reason to believe it's ever going to be better? It concerns me. It concerns me. And he's got uh, – and he, he signed – this is the first year, I guess, of his 10-year contract. And it's still, a, I mean, it's still a small number at this point. But he's owed $225 million through 2023. Yep. That money's gone. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Well, uh, are the Reds going to be in the World Series? I'm putting you on the spot. No. Yes, they are. They're going to win the World Series in a sweep over the Detroit Tigers. So, I'm just okay. telling you. That's, that's what's going to happen. You can... Uh, Agree or well, disagree? You're, you're a judge, and you know everything, so that must be the truth. Yeah, right. People have <laughs> people that are in front of me are required to pretend like I know everything. Let me ask you. Let me ask your wife if you know everything. Yeah, really. <laughs> she'll tell you that I was right about something once. She'll she'll be honest about that. One time I was correct about something. Bill, what else you got for us? That's all I got, man. Yeah, me too. It's uh, good talking to you again. Always good talking about these old red legs. Appreciate all you all for uh, downloading the podcast and listening to us. As we say every time, don't know, have any clue why in the world you listen to us ramble. But we're glad you do. Appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to listen to us. If you uh, if you like the podcast, I'd ask you to go to iTunes. Give us a rating and a review. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Exactly. Uh, follow uh, Red Leg Nation at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. Follow Bill at Bill Red Leg N. Follow me at Dotson C, D-O-T-S-O-N-C. And uh, go to Red Leg Nation Radio, redlegnationradio.com for all uh, previous episodes and to uh, to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or via uh, your favorite uh, podcast catcher via RSS. Bill, great talking to you again, buddy. Always good to be with you, Chad. Always good. All right. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.